Welcome, flower friends, to the Local Flowers Podcast, where you'll fall in love with local seasonal blooms even more by hearing the stories from flower farmers new and experienced. I'm your host, Rochelle, from Freckled Bloom Flower Farm. Welcome. Welcome, flower friends, to episode one of the Local Flowers Podcast. We will connect every week to talk about what week we're in in the 2023 season, what's happening on the farm, what have been successes, failures, what we've planted, what we're picking, all the things. In upcoming episodes, we'll invite other guest flower farmers to come on and share with us what's happening on their farms in the week that we're in, as well as to share with us what their stories are, how they came to flower farming, what does their community look like, and just get an appreciation for their growing conditions and the season that they're in as a person and a flower farmer. We'll also end our episodes with Did You Know? Little Known Facts from the Freckled Bloom Flower Kids. So just wait, they're super excited for that part. In this first episode, our guest speaker is going to be yours truly, your host. Farmer Rochelle here. I own and operate and am the sole employee of Freckled Bloom Flower Farm, located in the Pacific Northwest in a little town called Estacada, Oregon. We have a population of little over 3,000 and continue to grow. We live about 45 minutes outside of Portland, Oregon, so we have a pretty big population to the north of us. My husband and I have lived on this piece of land for about 15 years now. Um, My husband, Matt, you'll hear me call him out by name a lot because he uh, is quite the helper, although most of the farming tasks fall on me. But we bought this land and he had been farming Christmas trees with his family since he was a little boy. And so when we found this piece of land, we uh, started our tree farm and planted Christmas trees. As we started our family, I had always loved to garden. My mom, my grandma Kaler uh, taught me my passion around flowers and I worked full-time uh, for a healthcare system, commuting into Portland and home. So the garden really became a piece of therapy for me as I spent hours on the road, hours at the office. And so as my children grew, so did my plant passion. It's kind of a running joke I have with Matt. He reflects back to those days and says, you never were this obsessed with plants. How did this come to be? I think the very ironic thing is that, you know, we go to high school and we're expected upon graduation to just know our path forward. And and the fact is, we really don't. We're, it's a total guessing game. And I was there. I wanted to be a doctor. I wanted to be a nurse. And then I landed my passion in business and healthcare administration. But looking back to my last 15 years, this passion in me just continued to grow, no pun intended. And uh, my interest changed. But if I'm honest, I think that's how life is supposed to roll. We pick up these experiences and they shape us into the people that we are supposed to be. So rewinding back to my childhood a bit, I 
was born and raised in Hermiston, Oregon. It is on the eastern side of the state of Oregon. My mom and dad were small farmers growing anything from wheat, corn, potatoes was a big crop for us. We tried watermelon, all the things, and we were truly a small family farm in a world of very big corporate farms. And so as I grew up, I always had a farming task, whether it was taking soil samples or petioles, or uh, when I got into high school, I started to learn how to operate the potato piler, which then led into driving a 10-wheeler potato truck. And I was the only girl out there. And boy, did everybody look at me. Uh, It was insanely intimidating. And now looking back, it's just kind of unfortunate that we don't have more female farmer role models out there that little girls can look up to and say, I want to be a farmer. I had the fortunate experience of my family saying, look, one day you're going to want to go to college or you're going to want to have a car and you're going to need to be able to pay for that. So those little jobs helped me earn my way in life. And um, like I mentioned, extremely intimidating. I am the type of person that likes to know how to do things from step one. And the whole process of not knowing something is completely intimidating. But I've learned as I've gotten older that you just got to jump and sometimes you're going to sink and it's going to be bad, but you'll learn even more from sinking than you will swimming. And so I'm thankful to my dad for putting me in that big, huge truck and making me go out there and haul potatoes in the dark um, because it really created a foundation for me uh, in my life. And so I think the sad part of this all is I saw a post on Instagram the other day about how Uh, You know, unfortunately, my generation was encouraged to leave the farm, that their families struggled hard and we struggled hard. It's hard to be a small farmer in a big corporate world. Um, So, you know, the the career path wasn't there. They wanted hopes and big dreams for us to leave the farm, to go pursue a different career path. And so I did. Uh, I will fully admit those hot, sweaty summers and that huge truck definitely encouraged me to go get my degree and work an eight to five job, which I did. And I grew a lot. I learned so much in those years where I wanted to be a healthcare executive and all the jobs that I took were extremely valuable for myself, but I always knew there was something else. It just, it lived inside of me. I knew that there was this story I wanted to tell. I wanted people to appreciate the hard work that went into raising that potato. I was so tired of folks saying, oh my gosh, it's so expensive. But knowing how hard it was to grow that potato. And so as my family grew with my husband and we grew our Christmas trees, I started growing more flowers. I mean, a lot more flowers. Anywhere there wasn't a Christmas tree, 
I planted flowers. And I had so much that I started giving them away. And my friends and family would tell me, Rochelle, you should try to sell these. And so one day, and I'm going to give a big shout out to Nicole at Flower Hill Farm. I was scrolling through YouTube and I just had in my heart, like there's something more for me. I don't know what it is, but there's something more. And I came across one of her YouTube videos and it just clicked. I'm like, that's it. I want to flower farm. All these flowers, like I've been doing this. Why not? And so as we were in COVID, I started planning my farm and expanding it and finding any any and every place I could put flowers. And I started a lot of my flowers from seed for the first time. And oh boy, did I learn. And I didn't have the extra cash to buy all the courses. So it was podcasts. It was YouTube. And it was picking up any kind of book. Uh, that I could read. And I just immersed myself, especially into the podcast world and understanding more about the cut flower industry. And I'll talk a lot about this book and I'll link it down in the show notes. But every flower farmer, it is a requirement of the syllabus to pick up the book Flower Confidential by Amy Stewart it should be the first thing that you read. And I'm going to recommend it to all of our fire friends too that may not be flower farmers but are listening in to read this book. And this story that Amy writes is something that we need to share. We need to find more visibility on what it takes to raise cut flowers and some of the ugly and bad but beautiful truths to these blooms. And that became the start of my flower farming journey. And my farm called Freckle Bloom Fire Farm came to be. I submersed myself into starting small and growing gradually. And as I walk into my third season, I'm still learning. And my biggest piece of advice is nobody knows your space. Nobody knows your community. You just got to try it. And you're going to try a lot of things and nobody's an expert and you just got to give it a go and try it. See what works and see what doesn't work. And that gets to the heart and soul of this podcast. I felt like I was hearing all the stories of the big farms, the people that have been flower farming for years and kudos to them. What huge accomplishment. But I felt like a failure that I was this little person entering this big room. If I go back to my potato hauling days, I was that 17-year-old jumping into this huge truck with all these guys that knew what they were doing. And I was so intimidated. But there's a lot of us out there. I look on Facebook and I know there's a number of groups out there where people are asking the questions. And they're intimidated too. But how do you learn? How do you know? You have to try it. And so that's why I really wanted to start this podcast because I want to hear from you guys, those that are just starting. Let's talk about your experience. Let's ask those questions to each other. Flower farming could be a very isolating occupation. I know I've said it and I'll say it again and you hear me say it a lot. Uh, There's days where I don't 
really talk to anybody but the kids and my husband. And when I got a podcast in my ear and I'm hauling compost and I'm just frustrated and I want to cry, the people in my ear just make me laugh and bring me up. And so I feel like we need to be here for each other. And by sharing our journeys and our questions, that's how we can all rise together because local flowers are amazing. These are blooms that can't be shipped around the world. They're special, they're unique, and we need to share these blooms with our communities so they admire them, they feel that they're super special, and they're a resource that they want to support. And if we all come together and share our stories and there's that appreciation for these local blooms, we will all rise together and local flowers will come back. If COVID hasn't taught us anything, it's folks have a deeper appreciation for nature and the beauty that it invites into their space. And I truly believe that if we all start to tell our stories more, that folks will want nothing more but local flowers. And before I started flower farming, I knew no better myself. And until I really dived into the book Flower Confidential, I really knew nothing. I didn't know the story of the snapdragons sitting at the big box store covered in plastic. No wonder they didn't last but a day. They spent weeks on a boat. And I think that's the real unfortunate world that we live in now is that we don't know where our flowers come from. We don't know their story. And I think if we did know their story, we might think differently. So I really experienced that for myself as I was kicking off my flower farm and my business. But I learned that even more when I started selling my flowers. I knew I wanted to sell a premium product. And I started looking at things totally differently from the store bought flowers and really looking at them to what were in the ditches and on the side of the road and whatever was in the landscape at the store. I was looking and observing everything around me. And when you look hard enough at something, you begin to really peel the onion back and truly understand what quality is. And so I wasn't the only one. Matt would tease me Oh, great. Now I'm, as I'm driving to work, I'm looking at the Queen Anne's lace in the ditch and all the other fillers that could potentially go into your garden bunches. Just laugh. And I call them garden bunches for a reason because I still have a lot of beautiful gardens that I pull flowers from. And so I felt that that was just the appropriate term for my flowers. But in my observations, I truly started realizing the quality that came with locally grown. That I was picking my flowers on Thursday in the morning when it was cool or in the evening when it was cool. And I would be going to my pop-ups on Friday and those flowers were fresh and beautiful and folks would buy them and they would just be amazed and they would say, oh my gosh, what is this? 
it's gorgeous. I've never seen this before. And then they would go to the extent of following me on Facebook or Instagram and they would send me pictures a week plus later and say, oh my gosh, Rochelle, these are still beautiful. I've followed your advice of changing the water every day and removing spent blooms, but they were listening and they just These flowers open their eyes to a whole new beautiful world. And with that, my passion for growing flowers just exploded. It was so exciting to connect with new people in my community and become friends with them. And to just really, you know, flowers brought me joy. But to see them bring joy to their world and completely change it, it just made my heart sing. And it's what, you know, flower farming's hard. And most have such a romantic view of flower farming, like we're all out here in our ball gown dresses with our wicker baskets and dancing amongst the flowers. Yeah, it's not like that at all. I haven't dressed up in, I don't know, like two years. I wear sweatpants, my hair's always in a bun, and I'm always a hot mess. 100%. It is hard work, and I want to cry every day almost that I'm working so many hours and breaking my back. But you know what? It's worth it. I have grown so many amazing relationships with my community over the last two years that it just makes me more excited and I have really focused hard on sharing every single day and not just the pretty pictures, the bad, the ugly from seed to vase. That is my goal and it's been my goal from day one and I've gotten feedback from my community and my flower friends that they appreciate it. I've opened their eyes to a whole new world and I think more of us need to do that. It's really hard and I've had my moments of looking on Instagram and, you know, the whole self-doubt and, oh, this person's doing this and their flowers look so beautiful, but mine are covered in aphids and look like crap. Like, it's it's real. It's hard. Um, but I think we have to share the bad, the ugly, and the beautiful so that we do appreciate uh, when it is beautiful. But something that I've definitely learned in the last two years is really trying to focus on the things that people don't see in the grocery store or that they could find in the flower market is to grow the stuff that or the colors, the variegated, beautiful blooms that most have never seen. And so that's something that I have really honed in on um, is providing my customers with those unique elements And I think that's really what will bring local flowers to the forefront is if we do focus on those blooms that can't be shipped around the world. My journey has only begun and I am no expert by any means. Um, I've been the type where I've seen many of my idols using soil blocks and I was like I'm gonna try soil blocks and I tried following a recipe and I'm one to not exactly follow recipes so figured it out myself and created my own with a slight version of theirs and I've killed a lot of seedlings in the process but I've also grown some beautiful flowers in those soil blocks so here's to opening the box and sharing with you all 
whether you're a flower farmer or a flower friend, just wanting to listen in and explore the world of local flowers, I'm here to share these stories and I'm really encouraged by the people that I do know that are growing flowers. There's some pretty amazing souls and I'm happy to bring them here for you to get to know them and really grow an appreciation for the job that they're doing. Well, thanks, Flower Friends, for listening along. Uh, To wrap up this episode, I'm going to reflect on my first week of the 2023 season. I have begun um, soil blocking my Lysianthus and some of my perennials and gonna finish completing that hopefully uh tomorrow but being the first week of the season I've also spent a lot of time because it's been really rainy and yucky here and the wind's been blowing like crazy um just reflecting on the 2022 season and doing a bunch of boring tax stuff and business stuff that we all have to do and nobody really talks about but it definitely consumes a lot of time especially if you're doing it by yourself um, and don't have any help it can be very daunting so been trying to wrap up that but I have a feeling it's gonna bleed into next week as well but I found myself last year so the fall before 2022 we have about half an acre in our front part of our field that my husband had in Christmas trees and as he saw that this wasn't just a passion project of mine it was a real business that I wanted to grow he sold off those Christmas trees as tabletops and this last spring we spent the time and a lot of resources to develop that front field and so I've got like 10 four feet beds with grass strips in between and I can talk a lot more about why I did that and some of the practices that I'm following in future episodes but I spent a lot of time last spring developing that field and getting it ready to plant my flower crops in and so I got behind in a major way on my late summer flowers and even the stuff I wanted to plant in the fall as cool flowers because I just had too much on my plate. I'm also a mom of two kids and had to juggle all their activities and at the time I was also working. That's another story for another episode but I unfortunately just got so knee deep in the flower farming tasks that I was on autopilot so that was one thing as I was reflecting on the 2022 season I said Rochelle you gotta sit down with a calendar a big one and you gotta plan out every week what are you gonna do by the end of the week what should you have accomplished and You know, I love me some spreadsheets. I, in my past healthcare life, became an Excel expert and totally will geek out on pivot tables and all the analytics, but I digress. I love my spreadsheets, 
But at the end of it, I needed something physical in my face to say, you got to do this. And so I've been working really hard on developing a calendar and putting sticky notes on each day to say, do this. Because when I get into the busy season, I ain't I'm not going to be able to look up my spreadsheet and try to do the math and figure it out. So I'm spending a lot of time in these first couple weeks of the season and really creating a plan for myself. And it's something I'd encourage everybody to do because we all get there, especially if you're managing another job, a family, or, or dogs or cats or bunnies. Another story for another day. Another thing that's really on my mind is I have a CSA, but I didn't call it a CSA because most people that know nothing about agriculture know what a CSA is. So I knew from the very beginning that I was going to call my CSA something different. And so I've called it the Freckled Bloom Flower Club. And that's another thing that I simplified in my life. I see that a lot of people do their flower CSAs all different kinds of ways from a spring CSA, summer CSA, 12 week, 10 week. Um, And when I was doing the research, I just felt so overwhelmed. And when it boiled down to it, I said, I can't do this. I have to simplify this for myself. I'm not just managing this farm. I got other stuff. And so what I did for myself is I created one, the Freckled Bloom Flower Club. And last year it was for from April through October and I learned that Mother Nature is not kind in April and September around here. And so for this year, I decided I would run it from May through the 1st of September. And so I've been spending a lot of time promoting my Freckled Bloom Flower Club. I did so over the holidays and did an early bird special, which was so successful. And I thank my flower friends. If you're listening, thank you, ladies. You're like the best. But I've been promoting that. And I'm also thinking ahead to Valentine's Day. I know it's crazy to think about. We just got off of Christmas and New Year's Eve, but guess what? Did anybody else notice that they started stocking the shelf with chocolates and pinks and reds before Christmas? Because I did craziness. So I'm starting the conversation online with my community to say, don't do it. Don't spend the money on those cheap grocery store roses, sorry, but don't do it and buy your special Valentine if Freckled Bloom Flower Club subscription. Give the gift that keeps on giving. So I've been spending a lot of time looking ahead to not only Valentine's Day, but yeah, I'm also starting to look ahead to Mother's Day and what am I going to do Am I going to do a special event? Um, I am going to do one that's exclusive for my Freckled Bloom Flower Club, but am I going to do something else? So I don't have a big venue here. It's going to be in the beautiful lawn of the farm. But what else am I going to do to differentiate myself from the competition and to invite people to my farm so that they can truly enjoy what I have growing here and continue to support me? Because I don't know about you guys, but last year I did see a dip in my sales with inflation, the cost of everything, um, 
I don't live in a big city where you've got that diversity. A lot of folks are struggling out there and that extra dollar paid for the gas. So I am having to think about how I get creative and what are my sales channels for this 2023 season. So there's a couple things from this first week. That's a lot to pack in a first week, but it's the time of the season where it's gloom and doom outside. I don't know if it's the same where you're at, but I do not want to go out there in the freezing cold. I've done plenty of that in December, hauling multiple units of compost throughout my farm. So, well, thank you, Flower Friends, for being here. I really appreciate it. And I hope you will share this podcast with your friends, your family, your coworkers. I hope we can bring some joy as well as awareness to the power of local flowers and hope to encourage everybody to really embrace the seasonality of what's in bloom. And right now, not much is in bloom, but the amaryllis and the paper whites that I'm staring at right now. So I just tell my flower friends, save your money because the flowers are coming in hot come spring. So thank you again, flower friends, for being here. I appreciate you and have a lovely week. Hi, I'm Decker, one of the Freckle Bloom Flower Kids, and I'm here today for your weekly flower fun fact. According to Google, one out of every four Queen Anne's lace plants have a chance of developing a single purple flower in the center of of the plant. This is called the fairy seat. And did you know that the Queen Anne's lace is in the middle of the Freckle Bloom logo? We'll see you next time for next week's flower fun fact. Thank you for listening! Well, that wraps up this episode. Thank you so much for joining in to the conversation. And together, all boats will rise and local flowers will be blooming fabulous in all of our communities. So if you are a fellow flower farmer that want to join in on the conversation, please reach out to us to get you scheduled for a podcast episode. And if you're just listening in and enjoy the podcast, please share with your friends, your family, and everybody you know. We really appreciate it. Thank you.